0: Welcome to Fintech Direct, where we provide you the knowledge and expertise to give you the edge over your competition in the payments and fintech industries. I'm your host, Jordan Olivas, and our podcast today is sponsored by Fintas. And with me, I have Subo, the co-founder and principal consultant of Fintas. Subo, thanks for joining us today. Good
1: morning, Jordan, and thank you for having me. So let's take it away.
0: Excellent. Well, First off, tell us a little bit more about your background. How did you come into the payment space, and what do you do now for Fintos?
1: So I have over 20 years of industry experience, 15-plus years of which has been in the payments domain. Started out working for the largest closed-loop prepaid service provider in North America, Stored Value Systems. That's when I made the cutover from advanced manufacturing at General Electric over to SVS. And since then, I've gone on to work for other leaders in the payment space, such as Comdata, independent consulting positions at Robicon, and most recently, uh, co-founding Fintas as a bespoke and boutique independent consulting and research firm, completely focused on the fintech space. And we recognized that we needed to kind of focus just in this industry segment to get traction.
0: Excellent. Excellent. So, you know, today our episode is really focused around the issuing space. What I'd like to know is what existing projects are you working on within the issuing side? So that way we have a bit more context for some of the questions I have.
1: As we speak, I'm working with the largest issuer for prepaid cards in the Canadian market. It's been great building settlement and reconciliation platform for them from scratch. Also working with, you know, West Coast based client that we've partnered up with to essentially build issuing and processing platform for private label credit cards from scratch. Most of the other projects that I'm working on are kind of merger and acquisition related consulting work. Some of it is also business process alignment kind of projects, uh, mostly based out of the Atlanta market.
0: So Great. Within the issuing side of the payments and fintech space, What's, what's happening right now that people should really be aware about? Say, hey, you know, this is the next up and coming thing, or this technology is really gonna change things. You know, what's your opinion on that?
1: Yeah, so if you look at the issuing space, there've been some headwinds in the recent years. Uh, chief among them being the margin squeeze, regulatory pressures, and it's causing a lot of consolidation in the industry. But with those headwinds, you also have opportunities, right? And so some of the things that I am seeing out there include issuers essentially looking at ways to monetize the data that they had, spending habits for consumers. So
0: let's touch touch on that particular point real quick. You know, monetizing data, we always hear big data, big data, big data. People have been talking about it for years, and it seems almost like the payment industry is a little bit behind on utilizing that data and a generate revenue. So what really is these large issuers, what are they doing with that data to monetize it? What are some of the examples you're seeing uh, right. most prominently? I'll just
1: reframe the question you asked me. I think the payments industries probably been pretty good about monetizing and leveraging data. The financial institutions, which are kind of legacy payment companies, if you will, haven't been really utilizing it the right way or the way they should be. And they're just beginning to wake up to the realization that they're sitting on a treasure trove of consumer spending habits you know across demographics that could now be unlocked and be used to make contextual commerce related decisions so they know more about you based on your spending habits to
0: incent you to make that purchase. I mean, as a consumer, do you see the consumers almost rising up and saying, Hey, I don't want them to know this much about me. Or do you see maybe some of the startup, you know, startups are obviously coming out and about within the issuing side, not really a startup anymore, but Marketa is a phenomenal example of going around the traditional way of doing things. So are, are you seeing startups within the fintech space or consumers saying, Hey, I'm going to help you protect yourself against these, these large organizations. Or me, as a consumer, I, I don't really mind, but you know others might.
1: Right. Well, it's a push and pull issue. <laughs> it's always been one of those issues that's quite sensitive. But it's also not a necessarily cut and dry issue across the board. If you talk to millennials, if you talk to Gen Z, these are people that really don't mind sharing more information about themselves if they get something back in return. I think it's the baby boom generation and perhaps the Gen Xers that seem to be more concerned about protecting privacy. So it's a question of what do I get back in return for offering you more information about
0: myself? Excellent point. Now, one technology that you and I were talking about before the show that's obviously big, not just in the payments and fintech space, but even in the healthcare space is blockchain. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, prior to the show, we were discussing about how blockchain is probably not going to affect payments in a big way anytime soon, maybe more on the settlement side. So in the within the issuing space of issuing credit, how do you foresee blockchain, not necessarily cryptocurrency, but blockchain? Uh, affecting the U.S. market. Is there any opportunity there for startups out there to go after this market?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, very specifically, I mean, you look at the, uh, the clearing and settlement cycle, Ripple being, you know, a technology stack that could essentially be leveraged. You have that use case. In addition to that, you could actually reduce fraud. Fraud seems to be that issue that never goes away for issuers. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, you know, that's another great use case to actually, you know, embrace blockchain, uh, reduce fraud. So just those two specific use cases right out there right now, uh, it's a question of, you know, when,
0: not what. Absolutely. So, you know, you see a lot of these ICOs coming out, right? Initial coin offerings. Uh, where essentially a company will go out and say, "Hey, we'll give you some of our cryptocurrency. You give us USD or whatever forms of payment." The most recent one that was recently announced was Overstock. Just, just yesterday, I was yep. announced. Yes, we're seeing these retailers and some of these startups, as you mentioned, like Ripple or maybe even Bitcoin. You know, six years ago, kind of having its its first Bitcoin being exchanged. Do you see any of the issuers or the banks or kind of the legacy platforms out there trying to get ahead of the curve and either are buying up some of these companies or and understand they're investing in blockchain technology but within the cryptocurrency space are they trying to look at maybe doing icos are they trying to fight the wave what's your opinion on on that
1: yeah my sense on it is the the financial institutions are really taking a dim view of digital currency but I'm increasingly seeing financial institutions waking up to the realization that the underlying technology stack, which is blockchain, has real-life implications and applications in the issuing space, and they are embracing it. So you have J.P. Morgan Chase partnering up with Ethereum, you have MasterCard, you know, rolling out their own blockchain APIs for B2B cross-border payments and settlements, so that's that's happening as far as digital currency.
0: It's already a digital currency, right? I mean, it's, it, it's, it's bits and bytes right now, even right, with, right. with the USD. So in relation specifically to your organization, what are you doing? Like, What offerings do you have to other companies out there to help them move forward, right? You're working with my company, RS Software, on several engagements, and you've just been absolutely stellar to work with. What sort of offerings are you having? You know, What's your 15-second... Page about Fintos because ultimately, you know, you are an issuing SME. How can you help some of these other organizations better understand the space, help them with the existing projects? I'm kind of curious on how your company specifically fits into other organizations.
1: One of the key things we do is market research. If you are an issuer or a peer-play service company servicing this industry, we could actually help you figure out competitively where do you stand and help you you know figure out what you need to do to get to where you want to go so essentially doing market research and competitive analysis uh, which is the first thing that we do we also help um, service companies such as rs software rfp responses right so if there is an rfp out there that you need somebody that knows the domain we help you with that margin and acquisitions is becoming an increasingly important thing because there's so much consolidation going on in the industry. (laughs) And before you put that billion dollar out on the table, you really want to know what you're paying for. In addition to that, if you are looking at developing a product or a platform from scratch, we have the deep domain expertise to help with clean slate product development. So
0: you, you had a really good point. I want to talk about developing your own platform. We've been seeing a rise, especially with really any technology out there there was this idea of hey you know build in-house outsourcing was kind of a thing and they started blowing up and you had these massive companies like mindtree infosys and tata and so on now you're starting to see a move towards subscription-based services so you know hey you know give me my couple hundred dollars a month let me use your service is there really any use case for building your own platform anymore? I mean, if unless you're planning on white labeling it to other people, I mean, does it? for example, let's take reward programs. Is is there an actual use case anymore since there's so many out there in the space?
1: Increasingly less and less. The margins have gone down significantly to where you have to be able to push incredible amount of volume through your in-house platform to actually, it's, it's become a volume. You know, the pure play third party White label platform companies, whether it's be First Data or thesis which has these massive, you know, economies of scale, they can essentially do it better and more efficiently than if you build it in-house. Obviously, I don't believe that at this point in time there is a business case to build something in-house.
0: Can you give me an example of, you know, obviously you always run into a situation where you should build in-house? can you give me a specific use case Uh, let's just say on the reward side or even the issuing side is where where is the use case for that
1: if you have an ip that's worth protecting right
0: so you intellectual property correct
1: that would be one use case the other use case could be if you're a niche market player and you service a certain demographic or a business segment that's very niche i can see a use case there
0: So, so what you're saying is you know if you have specific customer needs a lot of these subscription platforms are very vanilla, right? They're very, they're very, this is what you get. Uh, there are some modifications, call into our APIs, but there's really not much more else you can do with it. Correct. So if you're serving maybe specifically, I always like to point out a terminal manufacturer called Bypass POS down in Austin, and they serve POS devices. There's, there's a ton of POS manufacturers out there, mm-hmm. but they are focusing on building a platform that... Supports stadiums. The Jacksonville Jaguars is an example of one of their customers, and so what you're saying is, if you are in a very specific market, correct, we're going to start seeing more in-house development or maybe an outsourced development of a, you know, IP intellectual property for those niche markets. Well, those other white label platforms will serve the general population. Exactly. Excellent. Now, when you're looking at Payments and fintech as a whole, not just from the issuing side. Where do you see the biggest disruptors in the space right now? Whether it be technology or specific firms, or what are you seeing?
1: I think it's in the peer to peer segment. Obviously, you know, the nerve center is moving away f- further and further away from the domain of the banks and the financial institutions into tech companies. Here in the U.S., most of them happen to be coming out of the West Coast, or a lot of them happen to be coming out of the West Coast. But if you look worldwide, okay, you have the rise of companies like Alipay. WeChat is essentially a social networking site that happened to see some value in pushing contextual commerce for people wanting to you know, book a ride, get a taxi, right? You know, buy train tickets and now they are the largest fintech company in china apparently i was surprised yesterday at a presentation <laughs> they brought up that the amount of payments that they push through their platform today is larger than that of alipay so Crazy. you know yeah. yeah the technology disruptors are definitely challenging
0: the status quo excellent you know being here at money 2020 with you you know i, I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule coming here sitting down with me i really appreciate it so in summary you know within the issuing side alone without even touching the acquiring side there's so much happening you're gonna see a lot i guess you're gonna see a lot of disruptions obviously within the next five and blockchain on the rise maybe 10 years down the line you're gonna see a lot of changes what are some from the issuing side some good articles or other resources that you'd recommend to our listeners out there if they want to learn more about the issuing side and you know how do they get in touch with you
1: I'm always available, just look me up on fintas.io, and my contact information is right there. Uh, Send us a mail and uh, we could start a conversation as far as how we can actually assist you. That said, there are plenty of uh, great resources out there, open source, in the public domain. Let's Talk Payments being one of them, payments.com being the other. These are all great resources for you to kind of stay up to date with what's happening. Not just in the issuing space, but the payment space in general. You know, there's a lot going on in the issuing space and the payments and the fintech space in general. And thanks for inviting me today.
0: Not a problem. Subo, once again, thank you so much for meeting with me. I really appreciate it. And to all our listeners, I will provide uh, Subo's contact information as well as some of the resources he's recommended in the show notes. Thanks for listening. We will be releasing the next podcast next month. Once again, thank you to all the listeners out there. Enjoy the rest of Money 2020 i like.